and the moon and the planets are there, and new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. We are in space. We are in space. We are in space with Josh Epstein. Today's podcast, I am lucky to have one of my biggest musical heroes, Josh Epstein, who is half of the Detroit band Junior Junior, originally Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. Junior Jr. has put up four albums and four EPs, and they are relentless at putting out music. Since 2019, they've released 31 songs. In 2015, their hit song, Gone, spent 16 weeks on the Billboard charts and had unreal commercial success, including a spot in the YouTube Red commercial, which I am very proud of to have a tiny little part with. Junior Junior has also toured everywhere in the world, including Iceland. They've been on Conan, Late Night with James Corden. They're making some of the best music I've ever heard. And not to mention, you can't even put them in a genre, folk, hip-hop, pop music it is all over the place with unlimited influences and some of the most original music i've ever heard coming in from the left coast los angeles california i'd like to welcome josh epstein onto we are in space how's it going brother good thanks so much you're you've uh you've always been super kind to us and also you have such a presence in in Ann Arbor, and it's it's amazing how how you use your your platform for you know to to benefit so many artists regionally, locally. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of yours. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate that. I've always considered myself as a musician, even though I don't play or have any musical talent, but always considered myself on the musician side because I understand that. Musicians need so much help right now. This business is basically impossible, and we need people on the inside helping. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know that's why it sticks out so much to to artists because so much of it is 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 such a slog. Um, you know, even like in terms of being in Los Angeles, like the the if you're a, a, a TV writer or a comedian, a lot of times you get asked to join a writer's room where you know, your favorite show has probably, you know, eight to 20 writers and they're kind of going through and writing the episode and you get paid a day rate and, you know, extra if they use the, if they use the episode, stuff like that. Um, whereas like musicians, you'll get asked to go write for an artist and you, you just, you're just giving your time. And then if they use the song, you, you get paid. But in, in, in music, it's, it's more like a, one of my, my friend, Dan Nigro, who just wrote, um, the song uh, "Driver's License" that's like the that's like number one on Spotify right now. <laughs> yes, seriously. Um, he he always tells me that uh, it's like one one or two out of every hundred that he writes work. So does that basically mean an artist needs to be writing music an hour a day, and at the end of the year they'll have one really really strong song? I I, it, I can't tell artists how to how to work because it's, <laughs> it's so crazy how how uh, you know what people do. But um, I mean, for me, I I find that you know putting yourself in the position to make something, and you know forcing yourself to start, kind of always leads to something. Or you know, like I can't imagine the times that I didn't want to work and I sat down and forced myself to do it. That like something really great came out. Like if I, you know, if I, if I were just waiting True. for inspiration to strike, I would, I would have missed a lot of those probably. Yeah. it's a really good point. Cause is that kind of how you work? You'll be like driving to the mall or somewhere and all of a sudden something will pop in your head and you just have to go, go, go. Uh, sometimes, I mean, um, like with gone, it was, uh, it was a dream and I woke up and recorded a voice memo and then I recorded a little demo of it, which I should send you. Maybe I did send it to you. At some point. I don't think you. I don't think you sent that to me. Um, I'll send that to you. Uh, but yeah, so the demo I just made the day the day after. But um, you know, a lot of times it doesn't come that easily, and so for me, you know, I try to also, you know, because this is my job. If I if I didn't do it every day, I I think I would feel completely worthless. So um, I force myself to not force myself. I get to 
you know, make music from usually like 10 a.m. to 6 or 7 p.m. every day. Just kind of treat it like a job because I, you know, I'm lucky enough to have it be my job. and I might as well spend the time trying to trying to be good at it. Yeah, for real. And Zot, Daniel, the other half of Junior Junior, he's in the Detroit area still, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's still there. He's still there. So how has the pandemic, like how have you two been managing during the pandemic with writing and putting out music? I think for us, this has not been as challenging as some other bands. I mean, we had to cancel a tour that I think was, I, I was really excited about. It was two man, one man show. It was kind of like a, like a hybrid of like a VH1 storytellers and a greatest hits performance. Um, with multimedia. It was going to be really fun. Hopefully we'll get to do that again. We always have, you know, since I've moved here many years ago, we've always been sending ideas back and forth. And usually we do get together at least five times a year for a few weeks and, and, um, just record and finish stuff. Um, which this, this year, this past year, 2020, I only, I came back to Michigan once and we, recorded a new song that's coming out soon, but we also did a, uh, an acapella version of good old days with an acapella group. Um, and it's so cool. And unfortunately the, uh, the hard drive that it was on, uh, got corrupted. And so I think we lost the performance. So hopefully we'll, we'll get to <laughs> do that again. Oh, Jesus. That sucks. Yeah. It's okay. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but, it was a fun experience anyways. And, and I think, you know, we, we recorded a, a couple of things that I think are, are pretty good. I think I, I sent you one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's, that's a bummer. I absolutely love that song. I feel like I've said this before, that song should be like played at the end of your documentary when it finally comes out. I mean, I feel like that's such a storyboard song for everyone's career. In, it could be played at my funeral for that matter. I'll throw it in there too. <laughs> That's morbid. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit morbid. Um, you know what I did yesterday? I, I dove back and I listened to the Produce Mixtape Volume 1. Which, man, from being, I mean, from being in my 40s and growing up in the mixtape generation where I would go to the city and just kill to have mixtapes because that was the only way to get that music. Um, to you putting out Volume 1, it just had my wheels thinking of, how much imp- how much hip hop has influenced the music of Junior Junior? Yeah, I mean, I for me, hip hop was a huge part of my my formative years. Um, it, I think, hip hop was the kind of music that made me realize that um, there's there's certain music that can create a mood or can supplement a mood. Um, I think hip hop was kind of like when I wanted to, to dance or when I wanted to, you yeah. know, like, and I, and I think for whatever reason, you know, I, I was really into um, a lot of like the nineties indie rock music. Um, but you know, that, that kind of music, like Elliot Smith, I loved Elliot Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're not, you're not super pumped after listening to it. It's kind of, <laughs> no. um, and you know, that's its own kind of thing. Like that, that's like a reassurance from someone else that feelings that you have are, are ubiquitous, but also it's a, it's a, sometimes people can say a thing you're feeling so well that you understand what it is that you've been feeling because you couldn't put words to it or, or didn't know to. So I think, you know, there's all sorts of purposes for music. And I think to take it a step further, um, music has become more of an accessory, I think, for, for younger people now. Like, I think music is like, it's like, hence the playlists, like the like chill vibes for Pilates, you know, like, like this is a, this is a song I listen to when I'm running, you know? Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's definitely kind of shifting in terms of its, its place in culture a little bit. Yeah, without a doubt. And artists aren't getting paid for the majority of it in 2021. So it definitely has a life of its own with TikTok and people putting out songs just for the purposes of TikTok. I mean, the the music culture, as we know, has changed so much even in the last five years. Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, um, I know people who who, who have attempted to write for TikTok. You know, I think 
the, the, the most successful things usually probably come from places that aren't intentionally trying to, to create what ends up happening. But at the same time, yeah, truth. I mean, I've also sat down with, with like, you know, pretty big pop songwriters who are like, all right, let's, let's make sure that whatever the, the hook is, is like, you know, four words or less so that people can meme it. Like, it's like that, that happens. Yeah. I wonder if people are like, all right, so this needs to be, the chorus needs to be exactly 15 seconds. So it works perfect on TikTok. I think people, I think people probably do that now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that with a former member of your band, um, Abso Facto. I mean, TikTok blew him up. Yeah. And, but, you know, I think he wrote that song prior to TikTok's existence. So, you know, <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that's, what, that's an example of just, you know, water finding its level. That song, I remember the first time I heard that song um, before it was released, I was like, dude, this is, this is it. You did it. It's like, that's like a, you know, that's, that's like a song that most people would feel really, lucky and happy to and proud to have written once in their career. So I'm, I'm, Without I'm doubt. not surprised that, that an audience found it. And, um, you know, but I, I think the, you know, the, it's like the, the like sequels of, of movies or, or second seasons of, of shows are just, it's, it's so hard to capture the lightning in a bottle again. Not, not Truth. to say that, not to say that that had, that has nothing to do with Abso Facto. I'm just saying like, if you, if you sat no, down to course. try to be like, how do I make a song go that viral? I don't think it's as easy as, as that. No, I don't either. But with that said, I mean, Junior Junior's catalog keeps on getting better. I mean, there's, it's not too often you find a band with so many albums and so many LPs, and the newest thing they put out is absolutely your favorite. Like, I would put Rip R&R over Gone. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I just would. I just would. I, the new double album is absolutely one of my most favorite albums of all time and it was my pick for the best album of the decade i mean it's it speaks to me on such a crazy level in the fact that it has what 19 songs on it who puts out an album with 19 songs <laughs> yeah i mean it's certainly not um it's not like winning the algorithms to do it that way uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but <laughs> it's definitely not but you know i don't i i, I go back and forth between feeling the forces that urge me to want to make something that is commercially successful and, you know, and making stuff because I, I, I now am lucky enough to have the chance to make things. And I want to make something that's like the best thing I've ever made and, and something that's new and exciting. I think that's more a product of, of like learning how to play music and, and being young in the nineties where, every everyone wanted to kind of have their own sound and do something that sounded new if if you wrote something that sounded like something else you would you would not you would be less inclined to want to put it out because you would feel like people were going to call you a a fraud or you know or or a, or a thief yeah, right. and and now i think that's like flipped on its head where like i think now if 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 you write something that sounds like something else you know there's going to be an audience for it so wow you know i i i'm still trying to and maybe this is, you know, maybe this is getting in, in my own way and shooting myself in the foot, but I'm always trying to make something that I've never heard before. And, you know, I think I also kind of, Dan and I have always believed that you, you got to let the song be what the song is. Like, don't try and force a song into a genre, you know, make, make the song, whatever it is. And I think that's definitely made it harder for people to categorize what we do. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an easy description of, you know, if someone asked you what kind of music we make and, and I don't, and I think, you know, Warner brothers always had trouble marketing that because if you, if you came because you liked gone and then you hear, um, hypothetical, you're like, well, who the hell is this band? But <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Cause you originally, when Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. Was first coming out, weren't you saying it was like hip hop folk music or something or hot? I mean, I think Dan and I both played in bands that had, you know, multiple members playing, playing different parts. And so we were each kind of front men of bands and the, and, and, you know, most of the music that we listened to was, um, was produced by, Oh, by the way, I apologize. This is really morbid also, but there's a ton of ambulances around in California right now because there's so many COVID cases. So you, you may yes. hear them. 
Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that makes this podcast real life. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. Uh, it is really sad, especially at four in the morning, probably when you're trying to sleep. I'm a really sound sleeper, so. Me too. It, you know, nothing really wakes me up. Even earthquakes don't wake me up. Yeah, I don't know. I've never really experienced one, but I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're not missing much. No, definitely not. Is there been any talk about electronic music? Because, like, all your bass from 2016 was, like, completely different from anything Junior Junior's done. And I know we're talking about different type of genres. Has there any been interest in pursuing the electronic music side at all? I definitely use a lot of the sounds that I hear in electronic music. I think I'm personally too ADD and impatient to make electronic music because while I can appreciate it and, and like, you know, to me, I, I enjoy the, the, the subtle nuance that is slowly shifting oftentimes in electronic music. Um, I tend to want to, you know, <laughs> move from part to part a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that and completely understand that. And that's absolutely true. Would, is there talks about another mixtape in the future? I mean, I've been making beats for it. And um, the, the, to, to be honest, the hardest part about the mixtape was, um, you know, finding, finding people to collaborate with because Dan and I are so insular. We've never fully been like a part of a scene. So, you know, while we've got friends who are artists, we don't, we, we didn't collaborate much prior to that. Um, and I think the pandemic yeah. made it so that that was completely off the table for us just because it's, it's so hard to get into a room with, with someone now safely. Yeah. It's pretty much impossible as we all know. I mean, people are doing it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of them are, are being really safe. Yeah. The ones that aren't making country music. <laughs> yeah. I have heard, we've heard some <laughs> horror stories from friends in Nashville. Oh, I believe it. Uh, you mentioned Warner Brothers, and um, the latest album was independently released after your split with Warner Brothers. Um, is there any talks about pursuing record labels at this time or going in that direction ever again as a band? I don't know. I mean, the 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 freedom that comes with being able to release stuff on our own is incredible. You know, as a as on the business side of things, like having your own label and releasing your own material is you, you do get to keep a percentage of, of the, you know, the, the money that your work makes. Um, but I think, you know, the, 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 there are definitely like with, with the streaming world being what it is now and with the major labels owning such large percentages of all the streaming companies, you're pretty, you know, you, the songs that are going to be on the like top 20, top 40, top 200 generally have a major label behind them because it's, it's just so hard to, um, to get into those, those areas. Uh, if you're, if you're doing stuff on your own, you don't have a major label behind you. And I think radio is kind of similar in most cases. I think so too. Uh, it's pretty hard to get a song on the radio. I think, you know, even Chance the Rapper didn't have any luck getting stuff on the radio. He was, he was like the number no. one artist and, you know, until he kind of started working with a major label or I don't even know if he has yet. I don't, <clears throat> I don't think he has, he might for, um, for just distribution. I'm not sure though, but I, I'm pretty sure he's independent. I know all of his music up to this point was all free. So but whose isn't? I mean, yeah, our 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 stuff with our stuff with with Warner Brothers was more about just the, you know, w when we came in, we were so excited about the team, and then th those people all got fired like within five months, and then there was a new team, um, and you know, people who inherit artists are less enthusiastic about the artists than the people who signed the artists. So without a doubt, you know, so, and that, that actually ended up happening like three times while we were there. It got to the point where, you know, they had like, I think they were nervous that same dark places was going to be successful because it was the song that came out after, after gone, we had laid a bunch of groundwork with touring and, and, you know, uh, I, I, I felt like that should have been like a, a, a follow-up song, a follow-up single. And, um, I guess the president of Warner felt that, the song was too the, the 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 subject matter was too dark for it to be a hit, and 
but the, the, which, which, which is fine. The problem that we had is that, you know, they wouldn't tell us that. Um, and then when they finally did tell us that it was like two months after the song had come out. And then we found out that they had also actively told the promotion department to not send it to anyone. Don't, don't promote it. So we were like, well, what's the point of, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that was really, that was the, that was the last straw. Uh, I mean, that CEO or whoever that was obviously would have probably shelved Billie Eilish. then. I mean, saying that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Same dark places is a hit. I love that. Well, I, th I think that, you know, he, he was, he was let go also <laughs> ironically. Uh, but you know, I think the, a, a big part of it is that when let's, let's say, you know, so we, we had been on the label for like six years at that point. And so the new, the new guy comes in and hires his own people and then they go out and they sign, you know, their artists. Um, and I think that, so, so if an artist, if, if, if a major label has a hundred artists, they can only properly promote like 10 of them a year. And so they, yeah. they call those their priority artists. Um, and so if you're, if you're not a priority artist at a major label, then like, I think the flaming lips are a perfect example of that, where they've, they, they probably haven't been a priority artist for Warner brothers since Yoshimi, but, um, yeah. but you know, they're, they're still on the label. They're still making great stuff. Just at a, at a, at a certain point for us, it was diminishing returns. Um, and, and the new, the, the incoming, um, executives and incoming, you know, teams, they always are going to focus the priority artists on the artists that they've signed. So the same week, the same week that, um, uh, same dark places came out, a new artist had been signed called Mikey Mike. Um, and he had made a song with Rick Rubin. Oh, I forget the name of the song, but, um, that was the song that they, that they made the priority. There was like, billboards all over LA. It was like, uh, yeah. And that, and that was also a weird thing. Cause we, you know, we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. You're, you're putting me in the same dark yeah. place. Oh yeah. I mean, that's really the, what it's all about with the record labels. You it's, there's a lot of luck involved with the person that you're working with. You know, it's, it's a passion driven industry. And if you don't have the right person working for you, it doesn't matter what record label you're on. Yeah, definitely. And you know, a lot of, I mean, a, a lot of labels now, I think because of the disposability of, of artists maybe, uh, or, or, or just mm -hmm. songs. Um, I think they, they kind of sign a lot of stuff and if it doesn't work that, you know, they pretty, pretty actively just stop working on it. With all the experience I have with all the musicians that I know, I don't know that many positive record label stories. Well, that's, and like, that's not just... to say that there wasn't positive things about it. Like, no, our A&R our guy, um, this guy, Lenny was like, he was, he's, he is just such a great guy. And it was such a privilege to be able to work with him. And, um, we had an A&R guy named Matt Marshall, who's really cool. He's now at Concord, you know, I'm, well, you did get a hit song. Out yeah, of definitely. It. And that wouldn't have, you know, I, I, I think, I think also the one thing I'll say about Warner is that they, they, you know, they let us develop, like we got to make four albums and I think a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, I think, I think we got better and I, and I think a lot of artists, you know, if they're, if they're doing it right are going to get better. And I think that's like a shame because we, you know, people don't have as much of an opportunity to develop. It's kind of like your first thing usually is the thing that gets the attention. And then your second thing is kind of make or break. So you, I mean, to end the story of Warner Brothers, you guys just never had a chance to have your second thing. We never got a chance to, to have our second thing. And we got, we got that album back. The, the ironic part is that they ended up fighting to keep Same Dark Places because it had come out under Warner. Um, so we were never able to really promote it properly. But you own it now. No, they still own that. Yeah, they, they fought to keep it. that. That was one of their... <laughs> and they still have Gone, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So do you, so if gone right now is in the new visa commercial though, you're still, you're still getting paid for that. It's just, they're getting their percentage. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they, they own the, what's called the master side. And when do you get that back? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if we ever do, but you know, maybe 10 years. Hopefully sooner the better. Well, then 
moving forward, I'm not going to play. I'm only going to play the stuff that you own in your album. Oh, no, it's totally cool. Honestly, (laughs) you know, I'm proud of everything that we've ever released. So Um, it doesn't really matter to me. And, you know, I'm happy that, you know, Gone's in a a commercial or two right now. I'm happy. I'm happy that it's out there. It's, It's cool. Now, when Junior Junior performed at the Bernie Sanders rally, were you on the label then? Yeah. Whoa. I think we was, were. That was probably 2016, I would think. We were, yes, we were, but we were um, in the process of, of trying to leave. Okay. I was wondering, did the label have any opinions on you performing at a political rally? Uh, you know, for the most part, the people that work at record labels are, are cool. Um, I think, yeah. you know, like it's there's there's you know there's obviously there's some that are not but um for the most Mm -hmm. part like they're cool and i think they're i think they're okay with it obviously did you get a chance to meet bernie yeah we did he was really nice guy and um you know i really (laughs) i really respect him and i thought i thought 2016 was it was like obama had just had just had eight years and there was there was the chance to, I thought it was an election of, um, of ideology. I thought there was a chance to kind of take that and run with it and kind of, you know, go further and improve more things or, you know, the, the ideology of, of retro action and, and, um, you know, somehow trying to, uh, trying to, trying to end the, the, the growth, um, mm-hmm. whereas yeah, this truth. time around, I, I felt like it was more good versus evil. Yeah. It's a really good way of putting it. And we're learning that more today than ever. Yeah. I mean, nothing that we didn't already know. Right. Yeah. And so speaking of that, um, what type of advice would you give to musicians that are starting off, but want to use their political voice or for you for that matter, using your political voice with your music? I mean, I know through the years it's been like, Oh, you're a country artist. Don't get political or your career's over. But in 2021, it's like we want artists and athletes to use their voice and to not be quieted. Yeah, I would say, especially if you lean towards conservatism, uh, you should probably make a bunch of like MAGA songs right now. <laughs> because <laughs> there's, there's just a void of, of creative people willing to go there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a quick path to notoriety, like Lil Pump. I guess if the president would have known his yeah. name, if he wouldn't call him Lil Pimp, it might, it might've helped Yeah, truth. more, but. Trust me, Lil Pump is not on that wagon. Is he anymore. not? I'm sure he's not. I mean, everyone's running for it. I mean, any musician right now, I'm, I would think is running. I felt bad for the people at Warner Brothers actually when that happened, because, you know, I know a lot of them and I'm sure they were, you know, I know a guy who quit the management side for kid rock because of kid rocks political leanings like people are there are people who are like you know have a lot of integrity and a lot of you know feelings and uh in in the in the industry yeah so i felt kind of bad for them but it was you know like around the same time that we that the new regime came in the last the third one when we were at warner um they had been purchased by like a, a russian oligarch and um and i remember hearing there was an artist that they had signed who had played trumpet in capital cities and he if he like if he wanted to have them push his first single he had to play a new year's eve party on the guy's yacht i remember hearing about this and i was like holy shit so crazy (laughs) yeah yeah that's unbelievable I I personally have zero love for Kid Rock. I've never played him on my radio show. I've never supported his music because of his political views. And from being around the Ann Arbor scene and being my age, I know people that have hung out with him, had relationships with him. And I mean, for all the good he does, it's I feel like he does just as much bad. I mean, I don't shun his fans because it's, if they like the music, that's great. And, you know, but I just have so many poor feelings for Kid Rock. Well, I think, you know, going back to what I would tell younger artists, I think Kid Rock is emblematic of the problem, which is the, pro- the problem is being willing, like, what are you willing to compromise in order to have the, your, your perceived correct level of mainstream success? Like Kid Rock is the worst kind of racist to me because he started out making hip hop music. You know, he, he, he started <laughs> yeah. out 
being supported by and, and inspired by the black community. And then he got successful. And, and I think the transition to racism, maybe, maybe it was always there, but, but to me, it felt like a little bit of a gradual transition where like he made Ba with the Ba and then, and then he made like the song, like the country song with Sheryl Crow and that like seemed to revive his mm -hmm. career. And I think he saw that as like, Oh, this is a, this is an easy path to, you know, to being able to have 50,000 people tailgate outside of Comerica park when I play there. Yeah. Play your part. Yeah. Right. He's like, this is my audience. This is my part. I'm going out there and doing this. I mean, it just makes, I mean, a guy sense. from Michigan using the Confederate flag on stage is just insane. Like it, <laughs> uh, it's insane. It's, they tried, they tried to, uh, they tried it's, to take your state over. It's, it's, I mean, the, the hot word of the week, it's treasonous at that. <laughs> Never have I said treason and believed it more than this yeah. last week. I hear you. Completely changing the subject 100%, but then I, we can go back to this before I get too far away from it. Can, we, can I mention the silent years for a yeah. second? Because the, the Spider Season 10-year anniversary you put out after as a brand new release in 2020, after it was shelved unheard of since 2010 when the band broke up, um, I absolutely love the album. There's already, I already have songs picked out that I would pray Junior Junior would cover. Um, why 10 years later, why in 2020 is Spider Season out? So when we recorded that album, we were on a, a record label that um, was an independent label and they ran out of money right before the album came out. But they thought that they would put out the album and maybe it would do well and, and you know, that would help them earn some money. So... Um, but you know, at that time we had been around for a while and we were, we were really excited about the album and we wanted to see it come out and reach as many people as possible and, you know, have a chance to get heard. But around that same time I, I had started writing with Dan and Dale and Hurt Jr. Jr. just kind of had its own trajectory and its own, like things were happening without trying. And, um, that became sort of, sort of while we were trying to get figure out how to release spider season Don Hart junior junior started to start to happen. And, and for the next like two or three years, we were really busy just touring and on the road. And, and, um, the, the guy who owned the record label that we were on, the silent years were on. Um, he claimed that because I had signed a contract with him, that he owned all of the works that I made. So he claimed that he owned, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. And so he was preventing us from putting out music as Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr., but also putting preventing the Silent Years' album from coming out. And then he um, he wanted he wanted a, um, an amount of money. It was like ten thousand dollars. That at the time, you know, I didn't. There's no way I had that. And so it kind of it kind of sat there until we realized that you know Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. like had opportunities and I needed to figure out a way to get us off. So we ended up figuring that out and, and buying the album back. But by this point, it's like three years after the album's recorded. Junior Junior has been touring for three years. The, the, the guys in the silent years are kind of starting to go and do other things. And then Junior Junior kind of kept on happening. And at that point, Warner brothers technically owned the silent years or they had the right of first refusal to it. Um, and they heard it, but didn't refuse it. I think that they always maybe thought that if junior junior did well enough that they would want to put it out or something. Mm. So anyways, it just kind of ended up that by the time we got around to trying to release it, it felt like it felt like that album was a bus stuck in the mud. And it's, it was just so hard to try and get any sort of momentum back that, you know, it ended up just kind of flopping or sitting there um, shelved, which is really weird because everyone involved in that album, like aside from the silent years went on to do incredible things like Sean Everett mixed a song. He ended up, um, he's produced a lot of huge records lately. Um, he produced the Britney Howard record. I think Chris Cody mixed a track. He does a ton of amazing work, Sam Farrar and Noah Passavoy who, were co-producers on it. Um, Sam ended up joining Maroon 5 and Noah works with uh, Max Martin. Like, everyone kind of went on to do incredible things. 
<laughs> yeah. Wow. What made you actually put it out uh, after 10 years? Was there just one day you're like, you know what? We're going to release I think this it now. was a combination of, you know, the, the year was shaping up to not have, you know, like there's only so many albums that Junior Junior can put out and we can't really be on tour. So um, it felt like the right time. Like there was like a, there was a, a space for it. Oh yeah. And, and then also it was the 10th mm -hmm. anniversary, which felt like this is, you know, if it goes beyond 10 years, it's like yeah. ridiculous. So. And like the album sounds pretty yeah, that's current. The, I know. I which know. is the crazy it's, part. It's weird. Yeah. I really, I want, sometimes I wonder what, like what could have happened if it would have come out back then. But, um, you know, who knows? Well, I mean, it's good news for, for Dan, I guess. <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan's got his own great fiction album that's been sitting around for 10, mm -hmm. ten years. Has, would you think Junior Junior would ever consider covering one of the songs as part of their shows? I, I doubt it. Maybe. Actually, we, we one time had a, had like a release show or like a show with the Magic Stick where the great fiction came on and did a song and the Silent Years came on and did a song. So I could see that happening again. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, if it wouldn't have been the pandemic, I think the Silent probably would have played, like done like a Michigan tour or something. Wow. I was, that was my next question. I would, man, let's do that. You <laughs> I mean, it got it. us, go. it got us back talking, which I think is really cool. Like we all, are, we all mm -hmm. have a text thread now. Um, in fact, I texted them all yesterday. So, I mean, I can look at these like wolves from spider season like that could have been on the next junior junior album and i would have thought it was written this last year wow that's a, i mean that's a real compliment because a lot of times i look back on things and, and think about how much better i could have done them i put that song is on my best songs of 2020 playlist which kind of felt weird but at the same time i was like <laughs> no this is i that song really spoke it's got to a me killer bridge reason. killer that song is so good i listened to it like like literally 10 times in one day and it's Mostly because I was probably missing new junior junior stuff. So your release of the album was well. Dan and I are working on timing. another new album as we speak. So hopefully soon. Nice. I don't know. Um, I mean, we have a bunch of songs. We'll see. We'll see how quickly. I mean, nice. usually, usually, like a lot of things happen, and then we get together and finish everything, and that's like a you know. So yeah, I don't know when the hell that'll happen, but. I feel like you guys may take more time naming the songs and naming the album with all of your creative <laughs> names for everything. Uh, touche. August and everything prior. I mean, come on. That's, I mean, I've already got, we've already up. got the name for the new album. So. You can't, can't share, can't but it's share good. That. Okay. It's good. I know it's good. I mean, it <laughs> has to be good. Um, so during the pandemic, the last year, 2020, like, is there any new artists or any music you've been like really digging and getting into for the first time or anyone new on your radar? Um, yeah. I mean, I've been, uh, I've been trying to figure out some, some new stuff to listen to. Cause I, I tend to like get really excited about albums that I haven't heard that are old. Like, um, like there's mm -hmm. a, um, there's a, an album called I am the cosmos by Chris Bell. Have you heard that? No, um, I haven't. He was in big star. And uh, it's a really, really cool album. And then I got, got into Big Star. But yeah, I, I started listening to uh, this guy, Adam Melcher. I think he's really good. Dude, when I, when I re-re-listen to this podcast, when I have my notes. <laughs> I've been talking with this, with this guy, uh, Yokelore, who I think is good about we're, we're maybe going to do, some, do something together. And then it, this is crazy because, you know, Dan and I are, are not in our early 30s anymore. And... Um, and that's like weird as a, as an artist, you know, <laughs> uh, he said that we had played at his college when, <laughs> when he was there, which is like really funny to me. Like we had come, we came to, uh, to LB or no, to Kenyon and did like, a, did a show in their student union while he was there. Yeah. I can, I can most certainly relate having a son that turns 18 years old. Is yeah. That's wild. So, um, I, wild. I, 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 know, I wrote a song that came out this year, um, that by by Ethan Gruska, oh. uh, that he sang with Phoebe Bridgers called "Enough for Now," and I thought that was cool. And then I, you know, I started listening to Phoebe Bridgers, and and Ethan Gruska is amazing. So I think both those artists were cool to to just learn more. You wrote a song that Phoebe Bridgers yeah it came out this sang? past year. Well, it, it's on Ethan Gruska's album. Wow, I mean, she's such a hot name right now. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, 
I didn't. I didn't even know you did that. I need. You need to be up on your socials. I, Josh. I just detest social media. I can't. I can't. I, I know can't you do it. I, and I don't know. You know. I know it's like a. I know it's a lot of the a lot of the things that make songs go viral right now are like how many fans a pe- a person has. So that's why you see a lot of people who are actors in TV shows kind of like transitioning into being pop stars because they already kind of have a giant platform. Um, but you mm-hmm. know, I just, I, I don't, social media is not as natural for me as just writing is. So. Well, my one advice is if you write a song that is taking off, <laughs> I think I did. I think I posted about it. I sent I you, a te- I texted you the song Maybe. a couple days ago. Oh yeah, but that was so far after the fact. <laughs> and you just sent me the YouTube video. You didn't even tell me you had any. Involvement. Well, I think you played a Phoebe Bridger song or something. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was one with that she collaborated with Lord Huron right. on my radio cool. show. Yeah, they're 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 yeah. cool. Ben went to University of Michigan and from lived in Ann Arbor for a while. So he's a super. He's a great. Yeah, dude. I've I've met those guys um, backstage at festivals, and they're always really really nice. Yeah, well, you've played just about every festival all over the world. I was reading about your Icelandic adventure and from one of your columns on ESPN, which I think most people don't really realize that you are a a writer for ESPN when you had your column. That's about as cool as you can. Yeah, that was cool. Get. Unfortunately, our, the, the guy who was our editor there um, moved back to Canada and started working for a for a different outlet so we kind of lost our editor and that was who we spoke with and who we pitched ideas to but um but yeah it was fun i mean i think you know sports is a great is a great way for me to turn my brain off so i'm i'm a big fan i'm a big fan too i'm big baseball basketball football and soccer not quite a division one former athlete soccer player like yourself but i'm definitely a fan but i know like tyreek hill would be one hell of a yeah that, that was all that was one of my one of my uh, columns. <laughs> yeah, if we, yeah. If we had, yeah. if we had all of, like, if we took our best American athletes and they were playing soccer, which happens in, in other countries as soccer is the most popular sport, our team would be unstoppable. Our team literally would be, I'm sure you watched the national championship last night. Devonte Smith, the Heisman trophy winner, man, if he was playing. Oh soccer. yeah. I mean, LeBron James would be an incredible defender. Like just, yeah. There, yeah, we just have so many athletes that would be, <laughs> that would be great soccer players. Yeah. Too bad. It's but never the, we happen. have some good, I don't know if you're following the, the U S men's national team, but we have some good younger players coming up. Like Claudio Reyna's son is, is, uh, like our best, our, our best prospect now. And he's like a, a bunch of young American kids are playing really high level European leagues right now. I think, I think we could be here soon. Do you still, um, yeah, I do. Um, uh, there's a band called the Mowgli's. Um, one of the, one of the guys, yeah, one of the guys in that yeah, band is from Mowgli's. Oklahoma city. And, uh, he like grew up playing soccer. And so he calls me and we play, we play pickup together. But, you know, I, I was, I was, I was playing in a league and, uh, like there were, there were a bunch of guys who were like fighting and I saw a guy like headbutt a guy in the nose and break his nose. And I was just like, this is so stupid. Like, no, no, this league means nothing. There's not even like a trophy. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah but it's there's know, a lot of pride I, involved if i were to like break a foot it would be hard for me to play concerts it's just not worth it true and we've you've already had vocal cords <laughs> surgery. we don't need to go through that again Josh. so tell me this it's 2021 junior junior has a sold out concert where would you most likely where would you most want it to be comerica park the big house dodger stadium or Wembley? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, you did go I know huge. I went huge. I mean, I think the big house would be, <laughs> I would want it to be at the big house because Dan is such a U of M fan and his dad has had season tickets. His dad went there. His dad's had season tickets forever. I remember mm-hmm. one time they invited me to a game and uh, it was like freezing cold and raining and his dad like wouldn't let us leave or go inside. <laughs> I remember I was so mad. Uh, but Dan is diehard, so he would that would that would like make his life. Crazy side story: I was DJing an event for a U of M tailgate before a game, and Dan came in with his dad at the tailgate, 
and didn't see that I was DJing and I played Junior <laughs> Junior Warzone. And like he looked over at the DJ and saw it was me, thought it was super cool. And, um, yeah, it was just a cool little moment in time where I saw him come in. But I go to every single U of M. Yeah, game, I mean, so I'm yeah, right there just, with it. just to let him have that moment, that would be great. Yeah, go blue. Good, good answer, Josh. It'd be, I could walk there. We'll party at my house afterwards. So this next segment is a little bit different, but I've been asking all of the guests that I have on this podcast, the same questions, just because it's a little quirky and at the end, and you can go in depth or you can end it any way you want. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Hmm. I believe that there's some, there's probably something that's a, that's a, you know, a weird, uh, mutation of, of, you know, uh, the same, the same or the same origin species as we came from that's out there, you know, but, um, not in Bigfoot per se. Okay. That's a great answer. What do you, what are your also feelings? Do you believe Hmm. in ghosts? I, I believe more in like the star Wars force vibe. Like I think, I think there's like energy everywhere, but I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. know that I believe in ghosts. Maybe, maybe there are ghosts. I don't know. You know, I, I'd like to think that there are, but, um, you know, I, I think there's probably like, apparently I read, I read something about how a lot of people who think they see ghosts actually have carbon monoxide, uh, leaks. Yeah. A lot of places that they think are haunted, like they no go way. in and they find that they've had like a slight carbon monoxide leak. <laughs> we should open a haunted house where we just gas everyone just to touch first. That's like a Nathan for you episode. <laughs> Here, take this pill, have a few beers. We're going to gas you for about 20 minutes. And you're yeah, good luck with it. House. <laughs> a lot of liability. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of liability. I'm going to call it same dark places. So um, so with that theory on ghosts, you're not putting out, you're not, you think it could also be possible that the Bigfoot that mm. people are seeing is actually a ghost then? I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm more apt to and inclined to believe in aliens. Um, so maybe it's just an alien. Very good answer that's actually was my next follow-up question so you are a firm believer that there isn't yeah i mean you know i think any fan of blink 182 should should really know this by now um and this next question is the dumbest of them all but do you think dave matthews is good i think he's a good businessman he like owns five he owns five guys burgers and fries Um, (laughs) he gets like (laughs) i mean okay no one's ever gonna say yes i love it I think he has written some really good songs. I went to a concert of his like a few years mm-hmm. ago because uh, a friend invited me. And I think his third song that he played was a cover of Pink Floyd Money. And I, had, I started my timer and it had been going on for like 17 minutes. And, uh, and I was like, I'm, I can't. So I just um, left. Well, dude, I really appreciate you spending time with me today. I mean, having you as a guest on this podcast literally is a dream come true for me. I know that's ridiculous saying because I consider you a friend, but at the same time, man, please keep on pushing out so much relentless good music. I mean, you're truly, man, one of the best. And having oh, you on thanks. here that's means the world to me. Way too kind. And it's always a challenge to follow Ross Fetterman. So. Uh, I, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope, no, I, hope I didn't disappoint and I hope, you know, your audience can forgive, can forgive and forget. Hey, I mean, That's you true. are Tally Hall family. There's no doubt about it. You are, you are cousins with Rob. That's true. Cantor. He is, he, he is the most talented in the family. Doubt it. Come so. on. I think you're more talented Rob's than Rob. Rob's gone viral so many times. He's, Rob is like, he's like, he could make anything yeah, true. good. Yeah, good point. You know, I could like. It was so special. Yeah, Shia yeah, LaBeouf and, uh, was special. Yeah, we have another cousin who, um, who was in, who was playing with uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars for a minute too. Yeah, maybe you and Rob should collaborate while you're both in California. I want to, and I, you know, I texted Ross about this because I want to do, I want to like try and do something with them. But Ross said he broke his hand or something. Yeah, babies in hand. I mean, he's your cousin. I you should know, not Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I you should be the no, one Ross telling Ross. Ross broke his hand. Oh no, Ross! Um, yeah, he he fell on the ice and smashed off his 
nail on his gotcha. right hand yeah. so he can't yeah. drum until it heals. Well, Rob, Rob is always so super. Yeah, busy, he bit it hard. You know, he's cool. I, I like Rob. I haven't seen him obviously in a while, but as yeah. soon as this is over, well, after, after <laughs> it'll be perfect. <laughs> Just the way I you played. Are. A, I played <laughs> his, like his videos for um because uh, my my girlfriend was worked on was one of the writers on Borat and Borat Two. And uh, I played a, b- a bunch of his videos for like the for the guys for the, for those guys, and uh, they were like, "What the fuck?" They were so impressed. I mean, why isn't Junior Junior um, in the new Borat? Movie? You know, well, there's there is a song in the movie that um, I'm not credited on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the music business, Ross <laughs> Josh. Yeah. Welcome to the music business. There's a song well, uh, that which like, song is that it? he plays in the in the movie. If you've seen it, um, I mean, I, I I can't take credit for it, but I, I definitely contributed some lyrics. Nice. Yeah. Is it the yeah. song he sings at the rally, the racist song? <laughs> no, you're, I, actually, you're my girlfriend is, and that's I absolutely think genius. I think it might get nominated for a Grammy. So she'll be the second girl I've dated that has won a Grammy. <laughs> 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 uh, who, who was not a musician before I, <laughs> yeah, man, you're just, you're bringing all the girls to the top. Josh. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I I'm just a good you. behind the scenes kind of, kind of guy, you know, I just send them out there and, you know, I mean, I'm sure if you didn't collaborate no, at totally that song, would. it wouldn't um, have been the same. They had, you know, they had the bulk of it. Um, Which actually, part I don't even know add? if my verse made the final cut. It may not have. Yeah. Mm. And even if it did, I wouldn't say, because it it's works. definitely, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an intense one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I believe it. I mean, we do know how your mind works. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. It's a compliment, of course. I'm from the East Coast. Gotcha. If it wasn't from the East Coast, it might be an insult, but I appreciate it for sure. Um, well, please, as the future moves on, when you're putting out new junior junior stuff, please keep me in the loop so I can share it and... Um, Thanks Man, for having dude. me. Thanks I'm for excited. coming on this podcast. I'm excited for you that you're, uh, you're, you seem to be, is it moving to season two? Yeah, we're in season two. The first season I did of this, I just did just me. So no guess. It was just me talking for a half hour on issues and beliefs. And then season so, two. Congratulations is, uh, on moving into season two. Moving forward. Awesome. Well, you'll be hearing this on Sunday when I release it. And as always, we are in space with Josh Epstein. We are in space. We are in space. We are in space.